My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets Podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies, and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share, and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening, and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. My guest today is Emma Darby. Now, she's the HR Director for Voice at Vodafone and has held a number of roles at Vodafone over the years. She has a clear passion for people, and I've seen firsthand just how brilliant she is at what she does. I can't wait to hear her wisdom today. Emma, it's a joy to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great, Angela. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, you're over there in Ireland. And I'm over here in the UK. We are doing this over Skype because we're on lockdown. So be kind to us if some of the uh, sound goes awry or the doorbell rings. Um, But Emma, I would love it if you could start us off by getting into that mindset of celebrating success. And we always do the what I call the shake your pom poms moment. So this is about you sharing with everybody your three proudest moments. No problem. Well, actually, when Angela talked to me about this, it's the normal put your hands in your head and kind of, <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. So as an introvert, it's always quite, um, it's quite nice to be challenged to actually reflect on yourself and uh, to speak up about what those would be. Um, I'm going to kind of probably do them in chronological order rather than, than necessarily in importance. One of the biggest um, one of the biggest impacts of my life was the time I spent in the US studying for a year. And that was actually, I had won a scholarship while I was at university and went to study in Austin, Texas. So coming out of Belfast and kind of the the pub culture to dry county in Texas was a very interesting change. But really the the time shaped me quite a lot. Um, The leadership that I got and support that I got from some of my mentors over there was amazing. I got to spend two weeks in Chile, met the president of Chile at the time. I got to do Model United Nations and actually they shut down the UN building for a day and had all of the students in um, wow. and I got to give a speech um, in one of the committees right from the podium that the UN would use. So, you know, an absolutely amazing opportunity and one that kind of set me up, I think, for, for part of my success. Um, How being old able to were do something you, a bit different. I was 20 when I went to do that, um, so a full year of studying, but definitely made the most of it um, when it's a very different culture to what, what you have. And even though the US is, is normally similar, Texas is definitely different. Um, yeah. So actually having that opportunity and making the most of it by traveling and going to lots of different places in the US and outside of it was amazing. Oh, my goodness. It sounds it. Yeah. I think the second one for me would definitely be having my son. I hadn't planned him so one of life's kind of 
oh my god moments what am I going to do and within probably three seconds being really clear what that decision was going to be and never regretting that decision at all my son and having an only child um, means everything to me and, and partly what drives me to do what I do to, day to day so really thankful for him he had his eighth birthday last week and while lockdown is very difficult and you feel sorry for for any children being confined but particularly an only child not having company around them it was a really special moment where we took the day off and, and got to spend a lot of time together as a family and for me kind of my third part of this moment is probably linked to that around taking the opportunity to not take the foot off the pedal but to rebalance life as a family we got the opportunity to move back to Northern Ireland and that gives us the ability to be closer to family so my mother is still here as is Mark's mother and during Covid actually in particular it's quite nice that we can check in to make sure that they're okay and if something did happen that we are actually close by. Mark's mother fell recently and actually it was nice that he was able to go over and make sure she was okay did she have to go to the hospital rather yeah. than be in England and actually having to, to deal with that additional stress stress and pressure that we don't need in life I think with my job I travel a lot so James being able to see other family is definitely a really important point and it was always our plan to move back here it was just a matter of when and I think it's life always throws things up I always say <laughs> to be in I really do believe that you know meant to be here for a bit of our lives and particularly during COVID. Yeah, definitely. And it, I mean, it's lovely to hear you using that word rebalance there, because I know, you know, that you spend a lot of time on a plane going from country to country and and that's going to come with its own challenges. And we can perhaps talk about that as we move through the podcast. But I guess to give everybody a bit of an overview of your role and how it works, can you just give us a bit of a... A, a whistle-stop tour through your career? Um, so my career started um, actually in a startup. I left university with a degree in computer science and business. My father actually had been diagnosed with cancer and I was meant to go straight into job um, outside of Ireland and decided that wasn't the right thing to do personally and ended up doing a master's instead in communications, PR and advertising. Everybody goes, so you went from computer science to marketing. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> mix. But as I was going through that master's, I worked actually in a local council and they had asked me to help with the tender. Um, and I designed a piece of software for it to go out to tender, which actually the company that won it actually hired me in to do. It's very interesting finishing off my master's while working full time, putting in a piece of software yeah. to the company I just left. But, you know, great experience of kind of being able to juggle um, what life throws at you. Worked for them for four years, but got the opportunity to work with Vodafone, um, which I just loved. I remember being 25 and doing a consultancy job with them for four months and walking into campus going, what would I know? <laughs> How, how am I going to manage to do this? Because it was it was a new element to my job at the time. And that campus is huge. I know, Angela, you've been on it yourself. You know, it, it, it was a new campus whenever I arrived there and, and quite breathtaking and quite daunting as well. But after spending four months there, I knew that Vodafone culturally fitted a lot of my values and was the type of company I would want to work for again. And luckily, I got the opportunity 18 months later to join Vodafone in 2007. I have always worked in the HQ side of it, but I've done quite a number of different roles. So I started off doing kind of service improvement, doing some outsourcing to Egypt, then moved on to look at customer satisfaction, which led me into employee engagement and looking at how do we drive employees to be engaged into the workforce to drive that, that ultimate customer value at the end of it. 
And it was really from that then I got led into rolling HR. The role in HR was one I'd not considered. I'd touched on it in my degree, but not really something I'd thought about as a career. And for me, it gave me an opportunity of someone who's seen as very analytical and logical to show that there was actually more to me than just that, uh, that analytical brain. And it definitely gave me that opportunity. But as life throws at you, that opportunity came as I was six months pregnant at the time. Of course. Um, I actually got the job four days before I had my son. <laughs> um, so at the final interview, the Friday, I had my son on the Tuesday, got the job offer on the Wednesday while I was in the hospital bed. Um, <laughs> I was really clear I was going to go to back to work six months later and said, no, put my contract as the 19th of November. And me being me, I showed up on the 19th of November, which the recruiter couldn't believe because he'd never seen it before. Um, and basically, Vodafone had changed. They had acquired Cable and Marlis. And as a result of that acquisition, my role and my boss had changed. So instead of doing programs, which had what I'd done kind of through most of my career, I ended up going into business partnering. And I remember sitting there speaking to somebody going, do you think I can do this? Because I'd never done it. I never thought of it as a job. And they go, yeah, you'll be fine. And actually I was. And I ended up loving it. In Vodafone, we're really lucky. HR is a seat at the table. You get to do a lot of influencing. You have the ability to talk outside of your, your kind of domain of expertise. So it was a great opportunity and a great place to work. And I, I decided probably about two years in, HR is where I wanted to stay. Um, I would never say never, of course, but for me, I get a lot of fulfillment linked to being able to shape and value the culture of an organization and what way do we treat, treat the employees within it. So I worked in a number of roles within our business function. And then in December, as part of kind of the family move, I also changed jobs into our shared services organization, which got rebranded as Voice. And that has me traveling between Romania, Hungary, and um, Egypt and India, <laughs> as well as then the normal commute between London and Belfast. So yes, you do normally find me somewhere in an airport or a plane or a hotel whenever we're chatting. I just love the fact that you say that, you know, I got a new job, I moved house, moved the family to a new country, and I spend all of my time, you know, traveling the world. And you say that like it's the most normal thing in the world. <laughs> and I'm, I'm keen, and I'm sure the listeners are keen to understand, how does one woman achieve all of that? Uh, <laughs> that is a very good question. Um, I, I personally believe when we are being fulfilled as individuals, you have capacity beyond what you would ever think. Did I ever think uh, at university I would do this? No. Even did I think about it four years ago? Not really. So we definitely evolve as humans and, and we adapt to the change. But when you enjoy what you do, it's amazing what you can get up out of bed and do in the morning. And I think that's part of the drive. I've always been motivated by what I do and love what I do. And I've been really lucky never to be in a job where I haven't enjoyed it and find motivation from it. But that being said, it does have its difficulties. You know, it's hard some days to leave your kids. You know, my son started a new school in January. You know, you've got your teething pains with it. And, you know, when you're abroad and something goes wrong. So I know in the past, being abroad and James had fallen and ended up in hospital and not being told until after the event. <laughs> because, because Mark would have known my first reaction would have been to get straight on the plane to yes. come home. And I think that's where actually as a company food defense really good. You know, I've been abroad whenever one of Mark's relatives, immediate relatives have died and I've been able to jump on that plane and not miss any of those family moments. I also recognise I'm hugely lucky being going back to work at six months. I've never missed one of my son's key milestones. So I saw him walk. I saw his first words. Aww. You know, I've been there for all of the birthdays. So all of those major moments in his life, 
I've managed to experience. Um, and if I haven't experienced and it's been videoed and we've been able to have a conversation about it, but I've never felt I've missed out. So being able to do a, something you love, you feel you can have an impact on and not feel as if you're missing out on the main moments. I miss out day to day, definitely, but not in the main moments. That That's hugely motivational. So definitely being motivated by something is a big part of it. I think having the the belief that you can do more is hugely important. Um, you know, it's it's not that I think, you know, from one day to the next, I could go up like five levels of an organization, but having that belief, I could challenge myself a little bit more and that yes. that challenge is good. And actually, if I feel it's okay, I'm, there's days that I beat myself up, Angela, you probably know it more than most, but in general, I can get over that to then go, well, what's next? Um, and, and how do I deviate around that? Um, a lot of people think I have a plan. Actually, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> people ask me, what was your plan? How did you get there? And there, there hasn't been one. Um, I, would, I would say luck. Most people would say that's a really bad way to put it. I think I've been lucky with the opportunities and the companies I've worked for and the bosses I've worked for. But I also know a lot of hard work's gone in behind that um, to achieve it. And actually not having a plan means you don't beat yourself up as much whenever something doesn't come through. Because it isn't that I needed to be there by this stage. Um, as long as I'm enjoying what I do, I find fulfillment from it. And I'm having an impact that I can personally um, have. Then actually I'm pretty happy. Um, yeah, ha happy life. Happy, happy, um, happy success as well with it. And it's hugely inspirational to hear you talk about that. So you've mentioned James is a driver. You've mentioned loving what you do as a driver and giving you that motivation to get up every day and smash it. And you mentioned in there a few difficulties as well that you have to kind of, you know, roll with the punches. But I'm interested to hear about adversity and whether you faced into adversity that you're willing to share and, and how that's actually shaped you. Yeah, so I think adversity all of us face. And I touched on one, I think, um, quite early on. You know, my dad actually got ill when I was in the US. And I remember not being able to get hold of my parents. I've been calling on and off for a day or two and not getting hold of them. And in the end, it just something didn't feel right. And I ended up calling my great aunt and going, me and me, I can't get hold of mum. And she goes, oh, she's over at the hospital with your dad. And she just assumed I knew it. Oh. I was in the middle of my finals at the US. And at that point, my head went because they didn't want to tell me because they wanted me to get home first before they explained it all to me. And I think actually being abroad during that period initially really led me to know I didn't want to be abroad when my dad was finally diagnosed with cancer. And I think that had a huge shaping. You know, I could have gone off to the US to work. I could have gone and done lots of different things. But it was really important for me to be with my family during that. And, you know, my dad survived 10 years and we got 10 years longer with him than we ever expected to but those 10 years had their ups and downs throughout it um, yeah and that is probably part of the the motivator or, and drive from it is sometimes work was a relief from it and at other times it was great for my dad to feel proud of what I was yes. achieving so you've that huge balance in there um, of being able to do both I think another probably thing that shaped me quite early on was my mum suffered ME, so chronic fatigue syndrome, as other people would know it at, firstly, whenever I was 13. And that did have an impact of me probably growing up a bit earlier than mm. most people my age, because you took on a bit more responsibility around the house, me and my older sister, than what we had before. And actually, it's a big motivator into my values now around how do you treat people like human beings? How do we treat people fairly? 
how do we just look after the whole human? Because at times I saw my mom not being treated that way yes. and not being treated fairly. And I the the impact I can have if it's only on one person throughout my career. And I think by now it's probably more than that, but I still get motivated by just being able to change one person's life by just adding that human element in, I think is really powerful and keeps me motivated to go. So definitely those two things have a major impact on me as an individual. But I also think motivators to why, while I never thought about HR, because I'm too logical to think about people, (laughs) actually people are a big motivator for me um, and therefore had a big influence into the way that I've led my career. Yeah. And I mean, you say you're very logical and I know that you are, but you also have a huge heart. And, you know, that's just come through in, in everything that you've just said and those lessons that you've learned along the way. I know will be helping people in your organisation because just the, just what you've just said about shining the light on mental health conditions and, and, you know, making the people who are living with those feel like that's okay. I mean, that's that's huge from a HR perspective. And I'm sure that so many people in Vodafone value that. So I'm really, I mean, I'm over overwhelmed that you've just shared that really, because um, it really plays into vulnerability. And, and that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is your take on vulnerability, because I think it means different things to different people. So what does it mean for you? Why it means being authentic and it's okay to be the real you. I think you have to have a certain level of security in yourself to be able to do that. Early in my career, vulnerability meant weakness. And showing a weakness was not a good thing. And I think as we mature in life, we start to recognize that vulnerability isn't weakness. Um, And for me, it definitely isn't. One of the biggest comments I get given by my team um, in a new function is how authentic I am. And at times I tell stories like I've just told today that most people are shocked of a senior leader telling. But they play to the authenticity then that I say something that I mean it. And that's really important to me. But at times you are putting your heart in your sleeve. You're sharing something that most people wouldn't share and you can be judged by it. And it's being secure enough in myself is that I'm okay with that judgment because I know that I am being me. And it's yeah. not it's not about not being professional and all of those other things. I, I'm hugely professional with it in the way that I do it. But we all face challenges in life. Nobody's life is perfect. Even those that appear perfect underneath, there are always cracks. Um, and I think the more we talk about it, the more that we ease down that pressure that people face day to day. So for vulnerability, it's definitely about being the real you, being able to show the real you and being secure and being able to do that um, is important. And having good people around you to help you feel that security, whether it's in your personal life, or your professional life, really allows you to be more authentic and more vulnerable. Yeah, I love that. And, and I guess it plays into an element of imposter syndrome as well. And I'm sure that is something that you come up against all the time um, in your HR career. People who, you know, believe that they've got where they are through luck or that they're going to get found out or that voice of self-doubt is kicking in. So what advice do you have for people who feel like they might be suffering with imposter syndrome and, and, and struggling to lean into that vulnerability and be authentic? It's a really good question. I, for me, I, I all of us have our own, whether you call it a chimp or voice in your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it just depends how loud it is. Um, and interestingly, those that have the louder one are probably actually the more self-aware individuals. And therefore, we actually can probably see more about what's going on around it. So whilst the chimp is hugely negative in some ways, actually, if we flip it around to think about the positives that that brings, 
it therefore will give you a radar to say, is this something that I can say and I can share and I can feel secure with? So I would use the voice in some ways to give you that balance to know, am I in a safe environment to do it? And if so, then kind of let your chimp settle. I think having mechanisms to settle your chimp is hugely important. You know, I know in some of your other podcasts, people have talked about meditating. I know you've got lots of different practices with havening, tapping as well for people to use. Other people cycle or they walk and they ground themselves in nature. I think having an individual thing that you can do um, to be able to make yourself feel that secure at that point in time is really important. You know, obviously in my role, I work for, with a lot of, big personalities and big <laughs> individuals and some people have got where they've gotten to today by being someone else you hear about leaders that are not the same at home and at work that is hugely draining to maintain it's easier Very. to maintain being you and tweak little things that you need to do rather than actually being somebody completely different and I think for those individuals out there that are trying to be two different separate individuals and maybe not getting where they want to in life is maybe taking a step back and going, can I really get there if I keep on splitting myself in two? Because the energy it takes to split yourself in two is 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 a is too much. And in what way can you start to bring the real you into work? So rather than saying I have to move one way or the other, can you start merging them and then feel a bit secure with that new individual that will appear that is more like the real you? Yeah, that's great advice. So that kind of taking the mask off and doing that slowly. So, you know, you don't sort of go from one to the other overnight, but having the confidence and feeling comfortable to do that over time. That's really good. And and you also mentioned in there about, you know, mindset practices and taking care of your well-being. So what what is it that you do to make sure that you keep your mindset in in peak condition? As an introvert, I need alone time um, and how I get that alone time can vary, but I can recenter myself by just getting a few hours alone. And for a lot of people, they talk about other ways of doing it. My alone time could be sitting on a chain meditating, which for a lot of people they can't do. I can map out the noise. Um, <laughs> other days it can be actually, I just need to get out of the house and I need to get a breath of fresh air to ground myself. To be quite honest, a lot of days it may just be sitting in front of the TV and being able to switch off mentally to allow my brain the space to cope with what it needs to do in the subconscious. But I think it's that recognition if you've got something on your mind that you do come back to it, that you just don't let it keep on filtering because that's when it gets negative. Um, But space is a big thing for me. I need my space. And my partner knows in the days I need my space because he leaves me alone. Yeah. It could be normally we go on a family walk and he'll go, do you want to go on a walk? So I'll go, no. And he's learned not to pressure me because actually the hour that he'll be away out for a walk, I actually just need that one hour time just to switch off from work, from family, from everything else and, and to recenter into myself. Um, it sounds probably not a great technique, but it, it works for me and to be able to have that time as an introvert. Yeah, that time alone, just to kind of decompress and, and get yourself ready to go again, that burst of energy that you need. And obviously, you you know, you have talked already about going off around the world. And I know that you've got teams in lots of different countries. So, you know, when you're looking at recruiting and hiring people into your team, or just generally choosing friends or people around you, what is it that you're looking for? What traits do you look for in other people? Values is one of the big motivators for me personally. And um, and the people that I have probably struggled to work with are the people whose values differ 
the most for me. It's really difficult in HR because what you want to, to do is actually to have a diverse workforce, both in gender and nationality thinking. And if you use Myers-Briggs or any of those personality types, you just don't want all of one type in it. And so therefore, the only thing that then really links you back to how do you align into a culture and a set of values, regardless if you're different, that will actually help you be successful. And I really do think that if you've got a group of individuals around you that are motivated to do the right thing and therefore will put their best foot forward to do the right thing for, for me, which is more than just oneself, and um, that makes it a lot easier to be able to get that connection working or everything else in relation to the technical expertise and all kind of then comes second because you have to know you can work with someone. It doesn't matter how amazing yes. they are at their job. If, if they're just going to annoy you every day when you speak to them, actually, they're going to fail and you're going to fail as well with it. So have someone that you get on to do reflect that they're not just hiring in your own image because uh-huh. that will kind of stop, <laughs> that will stop kind of the, the natural um, progression you can have that diversity brings, but make sure at least there's some alignment and levels of values in there. Yeah, and, and it, if we're talking about values, what are the ones that are important for you? Um, so for me, there is a, in, within HR, there's a big thing around fairness. And I, you know, you've heard me talk around diversity and stuff like that it's a big piece that that drives me now fairness can come up in lots of different ways and fairness to me can mean something different to someone else but I know that my team know if they need to motivate me at times they've used that as a way to do to motivate (laughs) into the value so I think there's a level of recognition in there is that not everybody's the same I don't believe in socialist economies and stuff like that but if we treat everybody in a fair way I think it's the right thing overall and that fairness can, can mean different things I also believe in growing people. So a big thing for me is how do you continually grow as an individual? And it can be done in lots of different ways. People do it through learning, like yourself going on and doing another degree. Other people do it through reading or just trying new things. But I find the people around me that have that similar value of, you know, encouraging themselves, but also others to grow is a big piece. And I think within HR, it's an important value for us to have as well. I think the final thing, which is less of a value, but more of just probably a philosophy, having come into HR a bit later in my career, is around, you know, we are business leaders and therefore the value we add is indifferent whether you're a finance director sitting there or a HR director sitting there or a commercial director sitting there mm-hmm. and we should be as professional and as expert as they are at their role and therefore be having that belief that you have a voice that matters not because of the job you do but because of the broader context you can bring in is an important element for me as well. I love that one the belief that you have a voice that matters I mean if that isn't a meme I don't know what is it's you know it's just kind of there's so many people that I meet that don't believe that you know and they're walking around and thinking that what they have to say doesn't matter so it's really lovely to hear you put in that front and center in terms of what's important to you and and indeed Vodafone. Now we're at the point in the podcast Emma where we play the five second game rule. So this is where you're going to be under immense pressure to get your meditation head on uh, because I'm going to ask you a few questions and you've got five seconds to give me three answers to each question. You happy? She's loving it. it it (laughs) You're going to be awesome. I know it. (laughs) Okay. So Emma, in the five second game rule, 
Can you give me three things that you take to a desert island? I would bring my son, I would bring chocolate, and I would bring chips. So two of them are food, <laughs> which Angela would have no surprise in that. And if I had my son with me as well, I would be okay. <laughs> Mark, stay at home. The chips are coming with you. <laughs> Brilliant. Authentic as it comes. <laughs> Okay, and as you're so good at it, we're going to do another one. So, in the five-second game rule, can you give me three things that make you happy? Mark, my son, and our new dog, Bailey. Oh, <laughs> Mark got to mention that, which is good. And you've just got a new dog. It's the Bichon Freeze, isn't it? Which is the same as mine. Yes. Yeah, And uh, yours is tiny and adorable and gorgeous. So, it's a perfect thing to do during lockdown, isn't it? Get yourself a puppy. Exactly. <laughs> it's like a new baby in the house. Yeah, I wasn't I'm sure a dog must be easier than a baby, though, as I remember. I'm sure it is. Now then, are you ready for the killer question? This is yeah. the one that everybody's always interested in. And so far, we've had a different answer from each leader, which is amazing. So, Emma, I'm really keen for your take on what is the absolute secret to success. Be yourself. I think that's what's key for me. I think that comes back to kind of the authenticity um, I said earlier. I think if you can be yourself and be proud of that self that you are, you will achieve things that, that you never thought you could do. Oh, I love it. Take the mask off. Be yourself and you'll flourish and shine. Exactly. It's, it's simple, but so difficult at the same time. Um, <laughs> but if you can manage to do it, it really is life changing, isn't it? If you can mm -hmm. just be authentic and show up as you. Oh, I love that. It's like a breath of fresh air. You are a breath of fresh air in my life, Emma Darby. And um, I'm sure that the listeners will have got so much from everything that you've shared. You know, the way that you balance being a mom with having a huge career, how you've, how you've learned from adversity that you've been through. And thank you for being so honest in sharing that. And all of the nuggets that you've given us along the way, you are amazing. Thank you very, very much for being part of it. No problem. Anytime, Angela. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode and do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.